Hello everybody, this is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. I am now in Revelation chapter 20. I'm going to do only three verses in this audio, verses 4, 5, and 6. I've chosen to entitle this section of scripture, Two Deaths and Two Resurrections. We're in the famous chapter 20 of Revelation 20, which deals with the millennium. Our context is this, in the first three verses of Revelation 20, we see Satan bound during the millennium. I discussed in the last audio the pre-mill theory and the non-pre-mill theories, and I have taken a position. I don't, I don't believe in the premillennial return of Jesus. I believe that the millennium is between the first and second advent, i.e. the church age, and we went into all the problems with the pre-mill theory, its logical self-contradictions, and so forth. And I further said that of the non-pre-mill theories, there's all-mill and post-mill, I'm post-mill, and of the post-mill theories, I'm classical post-mill, not, not dominion or, or theonomous post-mill and certainly not political post-mill. So that was an interesting study, very complicated. That's why I only did three verses in the last audio. But now in this audio, I'm only going to do three verses, probably take a little break here, short short session this time. And we're going to look at two deaths and two resurrections. So we start now in verse 4, Revelation 20. Then I, that's John, saw thrones, and they sat on them. Now they is not specified who the they is here. I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. And, and I emphasize that word, and, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand, and they came to life and reigned with Christ. Came to life, key verse there, key, key phrase there. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now, John saw thrones. And they sat on them. We aren't told who the they are sitting on thrones, but we know from context in earlier passages in Revelation that the thrones were the thrones of the 24 elders surrounding the throne of God in the vision. The 24 elders represented the people of God, the church, 12 Old Testament tribal leaders and 12 apostles for the New Testament. So you got 24 elders all around the church. Revelation 4.4, all around the throne of God, I'm sorry. Revelation 4.4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. The golden crown stands for royalty, for rulership. The church will rule. It has dominion. They're dressed in white clothes. That shows the dress is pure, made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 11.16, the 24 elders who were seated before God on their thrones fell face down and worshiped God. So we see worshiping God, and we see the church reigning as well as worshiping God, and so that's who we're talking about here. John saw thrones. He saw the 24 elders, the they, the 24 elders sat on them, and judgment was given to them. So you see the church has been given judgment. The church shares in judgment with Jesus. The church rules the nations with a rod of iron, as we've seen in previous scriptures, and Jesus rules the church with a rod of iron. Next, we see that John sees the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus. That is referring to the martyrs under the altar in Revelation 6, 9 and the fifth seal. We read there this, when he opened the fifth seal, that's the lamb, opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered because of the word of God and the testimony they had given. Now, we're going to see that the first resurrection, the coming to life, refers to those martyred souls, and that's fine, but the problem is is that there have got to be other martyred souls, other souls besides the martyrs who came to life too, and that's why I emphasize the and, because John saw these beheaded souls and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and so I assume those who were still alive but who had who were suffering persecution because they had 
not worship the beast, that's the Roman Empire, the sea beast or his image, that's the image, the idol that the land beast set up, getting people, to, getting uh, Jewish people to worship the Roman Empire, and they had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand, that shows that they belong to the Roman Empire. So these are basically Christians who were being persecuted by the Romans, but had not been beheaded yet, had not been martyred. So that's who, that's who John's seeing. Now, let's look at this problem here. As I said, it, when John says he sees those beheaded for their faith, it sounds like when they came alive, it was only the martyrs for the faith who got raised again. Now, that's a problem for all millennial views, not just non-pre-mill views. Non-pre-mill say that this coming to life was of every Christian who is regenerated and born again of God. The coming to life is a spiritual resurrection. Well, if you say only the people that are martyred come to life, that makes no sense. So that's a problem for their view, unless you say that John saw more than the martyrs. He also saw those who had not worshipped the beast or his image. That solves the problem. Likewise, if you're a pre-mill and you say that the coming to life is a physical resurrection, which they do believe that coming to life is a physical resurrection, well then, you mean only those who are martyred during the millennium are come, come to life? I thought all Christians came to life, not just martyred Christians. So you see, it's a problem either way. So you have to put that and in there. John saw martyrs and he just saw Christians who were being persecuted but who hadn't been killed yet. Now let's focus on the key phrase in the verse. This is in verse 4. These martyrs and those who not received the mark of the beast, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Now, if you take a non-pre-mill position, which I take, and you believe that the millennium is between the first advent, 30 A.D. or so, and the second advent, whenever that is, during the church age, in other words, the coming to life is spiritual re resurrection or regeneration. And when somebody does that, he reigns with Christ during the church age. And that's the way I take it. If you are a pre-mill, you believe that the coming to life refers to the return of Jesus at the end of the world, at the beginning of the millennium, when Jesus raises the dead saints when he arrives, and then the dead saints are going to reign with Christ during that millennium for a thousand years, that future millennium. In fact, this phrase, came to life, is one of the most key phrases in the scriptures when it comes to theology, because... It's the fulcrum of the whole millennial debate. If coming to life is a physical resurrection, you have to believe in premillennialism. If coming to life is a spiritual resurrection, being born again, then you have to be a non-premill, either post-mill or mill. We go now to Revelation 20, verses 5 and 6. And this is key, verse 5. The first part of verse 5 is a parenthesis, and all the translations put the brackets or the parenthesis around it. Otherwise, it makes no sense. So let me read the parenthesis. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. Now that phrase does not refer to they came to life at the end of verse 4. The rest of the dead is talking about those who were not martyred or those who had not received the mark of the beast that we just talked about in verse 4, but we got some other people. Those who had been martyred and those who had not received the mark of the beast were believers. The rest of the dead is talking about non-believers. The rest means those who who were dead but never got regenerated. Or if you're a pre-mill, never got physically resurrected at the beginning of the millennium. The rest of the dead, that's non-believers, did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. Now, pre-mills and non-pre-mills agree that the rest of the dead, the, the, the bad guys, 
are not resurrected until the end of the millennium. They agree on that. They, and so they agree that the first phrase here is a parenthesis referring not to the coming alive at the end of verse 4, but talking about the resurrection of the unjust at the end of the millennium. The difference is, is that premills believe the millennium is a thousand years in the future, whereas non-premills believe it's a thousand years of the church age and that the dead will be resurrected at the same time the the rest the unrighteous dead will be resurrected at the same time the righteous dead will be raised at the end of the church age so that rest of the dead as and let me repeat that it refers to the resurrection of the unbelievers that happens when the thousand years were completed all right end of parentheses and then it go then at the end of verse 5 we read this this is the first resurrection that this does not refer to the rest of the dead coming to life because that's the rest of the dead coming to life is the second resurrection the first resurrection is referring back to the end of verse 4 and they came to life the martyrs and the people who didn't receive the mark of the beast came to life that's the first resurrection this is the first resurrection Take the parentheses off, and the first five makes perfect sense. The rest of the dead, that's the second resurrection. That's in parentheses. We block that off. We go to the end of the verse, verse 5, Revelation 20. This is the first resurrection, the coming to life of the dead martyrs and those who didn't receive the mark of the beast. We go to verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Again, the coming to life of the martyrs and those who had not received the mark of the beast spiritual regeneration of Christians. And over these, those who have been spiritually regenerated as Christians, the second death has no power. Well, what's the second death? Well, that's the first death is when your soul is physically separated from your body, a physical death. The second death is a spiritual death when your soul is separated from God forever. And that's not going to happen to you if you have, if you're a part of the first resurrection and coming to life, being born again. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Now again, if you're pre-mill, you believe that your priest that is referring to priests of God and Christ, those who are raised at the beginning of the millennium in the future. Second death is not going to kill them. So you see the whole debate revolves around that first resurrection. End of verse 4, they came to life. Spiritually coming to life or physically coming to life? Now let's talk about the first resurrection a little bit. Is it a first resurrection of the first physical resurrection of Christians who were raised at the second return of Christ pre-mill before the future millennium, before the alleged future millennium? Or is the first resurrection talking about when people are born again spiritually? That's the first resurrection. And then when they physically get raised at the end of the time, that's the second resurrection. Well, let's look at some scriptures in the book of John, same John that wrote the book of Revelation, and what you will see that Jesus speaks of two resurrections, and the first resurrection is a spiritual resurrection, and the second resurrection is a physical resurrection, which is exactly what non-premills believe. John 5, verses 24 and 25, Truly I tell you, Jesus says, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Believes me, that's people who have eternal life by believing in Jesus, they get saved again. They will not come under judgment. This person has passed from death to life. Well, if you pass from death to life, you're born again, right? And you are raised from death to life. Truly, I tell you, an hour is coming and that is now here when the dead, spiritually dead, will hear the voice of God and those who hear will live. And obviously, that's spiritually dead there that Jesus is talking about. People are going to get saved. Drop down 
three verses to John 5:28 and 29, we read this. Jesus continues, Do not be amazed at this, because a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice. Now we're talking about physical resurrection because they're in the graves, and they will come out, verse 29, those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. So there you're talking about a physical resurrection, the second resurrection. All right, so the first, this is the first resurrection, John says in Revelation 20, verse 5, and in verse 6, this is the first generation, first resurrection. That's talking about spiritual resurrection, as John says in John 5, 24 and 25. You have passed, and once you believe, you pass from death to life. All right, I've mentioned first and second resurrections. John mentions the second death here. So I'm going to give a little summary of the first and second resurrection and the first and second deaths. Let's start with the first resurrection. The non-pre-mill view says the first resurrection is a spiritual resurrection. They came to life again. The martyrs and those who hadn't received the mark of the beast, they came to life again. That's a spiritual resurrection. It refers to being born again. Only Christians participate in this first resurrection. John actually mentions that twice in verse 5 and verse 6 of Revelation 20. He mentions the first resurrection. Now, the second resurrection is not mentioned by John, but it is obviously a physical resurrection. It occurs at the end of time, at the end of the inter-advent millennium, and both Christians and non-Christians participate in that. Christians are resurrected to heaven. Non-Christians are resurrected to be thrown into the lake of fire. John doesn't mention the second resurrection, but it is implied. Now, John mentions the second death, so let's talk about the first death. The first death is a physical death, the separation of the soul from the body. One's physical body completely stops functioning. We need to distinguish that from spiritual death. That's when the spirit is separated from God. All right. The soul, the spirit leaves the body, physical death. The soul, the spirit, having left the body after the physical death, then it is it leaves God because of its desires not to be with God for eternity. And so it leaves God, and God is, and is separated from God from ever. That's spiritual death. Now, both Christians and non-Christians participate in the first physical death, but only non-Christians participate in the second death. Now, John doesn't mention the first death in Revelation 20. We can imply that. When he says second death, it implies that there was a first death, and anybody would know that the first death is talking about physical death, separation of soul from the body. He does mention the second death. That's the spiritual death, separation of the soul from God. Did we distinguish that from the first death? Because the first death, death is the separation of the spirit from the body. Only non-Christians participate in the second spiritual death. Christians would never are not going to be banished from God forever. Now, I mentioned the second death has been mentioned in Revelation 20. He mentions it twice in this chapter. First in, first in verse 6, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. On the non-pre-mill view, that's blessed are those who have gotten born again. The second death, separation from God, has no power over them. Revelation 20:14, Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. So that's spiritual death. Death and Hades is just an intensive way of saying death is gone. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Getting thrown in the lake of fire is being separated from God forever, and so you're spiritually dead. Okay? Now that's the non-pre-mill view. The pre-mill view is exactly the same, except that you take the first resurrection, the coming to life in Revelation 24. You say it's a physical resurrection that occurs when Christ comes at the beginning of the millennium, the second coming. Only Christians participate in that first resurrection. It's a physical resurrection. Non-premills, of course, believe the first resurrection is spiritual, and only Christians participate in it. 
The second resurrection, according to the pre-mills, is the physical resurrection at the end of the millennium. Hey, non-pre-mills agree with that. They just disagree on when the millennium is. Who participates in this physical resurrection at the end of the millennium? Non-believers of all ages. They're still in the grave. They've missed the resurrection, the transfiguration, and the rapture at the second coming. So they stay in the grave all during the millennium, and they're raised up at the end and thrown into the lake of fire. Now, there's one interesting thing on the pre-mill scheme. What about believers who get saved during the millennium? They've already missed, according to the pre-mills, they've missed the transfiguration, the resurrection and transfiguration that happens at Christ's second advent coming, second advent pre-mill coming. They've missed that. So what happens to them when they get saved during the millennium and they only have a non-glorified body? Well, somewhere they've got to be, and then they might die during the millennium. They've got to get resurrected somewhere. So I assume that the pre-mills put, put that resurrection there at the end along with the with the unjust people. Again, that's a complicated, it's not simple. It violates Occam's razor. The other view is much simpler. The non-pre-mill view is much simpler and much more likely to be true. All right, so that's the second resurrection is physical. So pre-mill say first resurrection physical, second resurrection physical. They say the first death is physical death, just like non-pre-mills do. And they say that the second death is the spirit's eternal separation from God going into the lake of fire, just the same as non-pre-mills do. So you see, where does the whole millennial debate revolve around? Chapter 20, verse 4, and they came alive. The martyrs and those who didn't receive the mark of the beast came alive. What is that? Is that being born again spiritually? Here, here. That's my view. Or is it referring to coming some Christians becoming physically alive at the beginning of a future millennium? That's the pre-mill view. And so there you have it. I admit I bias the talk toward my view, but hey, he can, who controls the microphone controls the spin. I really believe that premillennialism, as I mentioned in my last audio, has got so many logical errors and scriptural errors. Like, where's the gap? All the time, the resurrection of the just and the unjust is mentioned in one breath in many, many scriptures, and yet there's no thousand-year gap, as the premills insist on. The first resurrection... Christians. Second resurrection, end of the thousand years, non-Christian. Where's that thousand year gap in, in the scriptures? Not there. Ladies and gentlemen, I have now finished with Revelation 20 verses 4 through 6. In our next audio, we'll take up Revelation 20 verses 7 through 11. We'll finish the chapter. And this is going to be about the battle, the final battle of Gog and Magog, the lake of fire and the great white throne judgment. I hope you stay tuned for that audio and I hope you enjoyed this one. <laughs> 